0: Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you for tuning in tonight on this Monday evening or Tuesday morning, depending on where you are. If you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. And also, please go ahead and visit us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter. Any or all, feel free to go ahead and follow and subscribe if you're on YouTube right now. Please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. I want to say a big welcome and a thank you to all our moderators tonight. Marie on Instagram, Saz uh, Singerchick, and of course Khaleesi on the YouTube side, as well as Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. So I hope everyone had a good weekend. Like I said, it's the start of the week here. Uh, I want to welcome some of our viewers, I want to say hello to Colette, Alicia is joining us on Facebook, Lisa is also with us, Ruben is joining us on YouTube, welcome to everybody, Cece is also with us, Andre just joined us on Instagram, Yago's just joined us, so welcome, welcome, love the Floating Hearts guys on Instagram. I hope everyone is doing well. And if you guys remember, last week I talked uh, a lot about this movie that came out just this past Friday. There was a lot of news surrounding it. It was a horror movie that is based around Jewish tradition and faith. It's called The Vigil. And it came out Friday. And um, as I said here on the show, after the show on Friday... I'm going to watch it. And I did. I did watch it in the very early morning hours of Saturday. And I'll tell you what, guys. It did not disappoint. The movie was awesome. It's called The Vigil. The star of the movie is Dave Davis. And I was so impressed by his performance, by the movie. I reached out to him on Instagram and invited him onto the show, and he graciously accepted. So Dave Davis is going to be our guest uh, a week from today, on Monday, the star of The Vigil, and he also appeared on The Walking Dead. Yep, that's right. Uh, He was in season three. He played one of the governor's henchmen under Merle's command. And if you guys, I don't know, you guys probably don't remember him, but Merle actually killed him in the woods. In fact, let me bring up a, let me see if I can find a picture of him to show you guys. Because, uh, like I said, he did not have a very big part in The Walking Dead. And this is going back quite a bit. But let me look him up. Dave Davis, Walking Dead. He should be listed on the There he goes. He's on the uh, Walking Dead wiki. And this is him. And uh, he's appeared on a lot of other stuff as well. American Horror House, Memphis Beat, Flakes. And also, if you go to his IMDB page, uh, there is a picture of him in um, The Walking Dead. Let me see if I can find that for you guys real quick. Uh, There is a picture. I did look it up, and I did see it. So, let me just see if I can find that real quick. Uh, Da-da-da! Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Can't seem to find it now, of course not. Is this it? Uh, Yeah, this is it. That's him. That's him on The Walking Dead. I don't know if this jogs your, your guys' memory or not. But, yes, Lisa, his name was Garjulio. Garjulio. He had a weird name like that, but that's him. And uh, Merle butchered him in the woods. I can't remember why he did that, but Merle did kill him. Uh, You know, it was back when they were trying to, when the governor sent him out to go and find Michonne and bring her back to uh, Woodbury. And I forgot exactly what happened. Uh, Khaleesi writes, there were uh, tracking Michonne and she got away. Andrew is here. Merle shot him because he wanted to continue uh, pursuing Michonne. Okay. Okay. Uh, Lisa writes, otherwise known as Noel, per Merle. <laughs> Merle had names for everybody. Uh, yeah, now it's jogging the memory. Quaddies says, yep, I remember that as well. So anyway, Dave Davis from The Walking Dead and the lead role in the new movie The Vigil uh, just got released here on Video On Demand this past Friday. It's a must-watch recommendation for me. He's going to be our guest on Monday, March 8th, starting at 9.30 p.m. And to remind you guys also, the very next day, Tuesday... We are going to have Marnie Carpenter, who plays Catherine Martin on Clarice. So very psyched about that. We're getting our first Clarice star on the show. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys watch it, but if you saw this last episode, which was episode three, we got to see more of Catherine slash Marnie and the trauma that she's dealing with. She's basically... Uh, Ever since uh, Clarice rescued her from Bill, she has become a a shut-in, a xenophobe, doesn't leave the house. She has become a a workout addict. Uh, And the way her mother describes it is basically she lost all the weight that the character had in Silence of the Lambs because Buffalo Bill had a preference for larger women. So that's why she shed a lot of that weight. Anyway, uh, she is desperately trying to reach Clarice. And of course, you know, Clarice's way of dealing with her trauma involving Bill and, of course, Hannibal, is to not think about it. She doesn't want to dig up the memories with Catherine about what happened with her and how she rescued her and all that other good stuff. So... Anyway, Marnie Carpenter is going to be joining us on Tuesday, March 9th. If you're a Clarice fan, you definitely want to tune in for that. And finally, tomorrow, we have a special guest, Sean Roberts, from three of the Resident Evil movies, plus a whole lot more, is going to be our special guest. That is tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, the show starts at 7 p.m., Not our normal time of 9.30 Eastern. It's going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern. Shut up, Siri. So, yeah. So, if you want to watch the interview tomorrow with Sean Roberts, please remember it starts at 7 p.m. That's going to be great. Uh, He has been in so much stuff. It's going to be great to hear uh, all the the behind-the-scenes stuff that went on in Resident Evil. A very successful franchise based off a video game. So, yeah, that's going to be tomorrow. So, a lot of guests. As of tomorrow, we're doing three interviews in a week. So, pretty jazzed about that. Uh, what else did I want to talk to you guys about? forgot. Anyway, it'll come back to me. So, we are going to be recapping The Walking Dead. It's the Monday after. Uh, for those of you guys that have not seen it yet and don't want it spoiled... I suggest you stop watching right now and come back after you've seen it. Uh, It was a good episode. It was good. It was really good. Did not disappoint. I put together a bunch of clips. I had to keep them short in order to make the copyright gods happy and uh, for them to allow me to show them on the show without getting completely blocked. So let's just go ahead and uh, it's just short, short clips, some of the highlights from yesterday's episode. And as we go along, we will talk about them and then we will read some reviews about what the, uh, the media had to say about yesterday's episode. So let me go ahead and bring that up. One second. Okay, here we go. Let's start. So, apparently, Maggie, while she's been away, has become uh, quite the knife thrower. What do you guys think of her new outfit? Anyway, this is, of course, the Maggie-Negan scene that we have all been waiting for. Do you guys feel let down by this, or you think there's still more to come? Hey, that look. Oh, man. How awkward is this? And the look on her face. Terrifying. I didn't escape if that's what you think. All right. Carol fesses up. Tells Maggie she's the one that let, let him out. That night. I wanted you to hear it from me because... Was you? you let him out? Alpha needed to die. Okay. How many people who were watching this right before this happened did not expect that walker head to blow up? I mean, I knew as soon as that showdown happened and they went in there to uh, go in and start clearing out those walkers and uh they were coming out of the containers and uh everybody was trying to hold him in i knew a walker head was going to explode i mean i just yeah yeah colette expected it it's just something we've come to uh expect on the walking dead and lo and behold here it is walker head explosion oh damn! how can a rotting corpse have such fresh blood Maggie playing boss Going off by yourself like that. I don't know about you guys, but you know when Maggie takes the high and mighty road with uh, people, that's not her best quality. Uh, I know she's it comes from a place of legitimate concern and worry for the safety of the other person. But the way she comes across, it sort of just rubs me the wrong way. I love Maggie, but one of the ca- one of the things about the character of Maggie that I don't like is that when she gets bossy. Her sister's missing. See, that's Daryl's way of telling her, you know what? Chill out. All right, chill out. He said that's not hers. Talking about Connie's. All right, the Reapers. Oh, my God. Are we getting another group? Another group. Are we getting this group called the Reapers that they're going to have to, you know, face off against right after the Whisperers? I'm like, geez, can't these people catch a break? It seems like every other living person is out there is trying to kill them. So, apparently there's this group of bad people. We don't know much about them, except for what we're going to hear right now. They're called the Reapers, and the name says it all, right? Uh, They just, they sound the way he's about to describe them right now. He uh, he sounds, they sound like a direct replica of the wolves. Uh, Daniel writes, Viz, would you rather write or direct? an episode of the walking dead direct absolutely no doubt about it i'd love to be behind the camera definitely you know i'm not i'm not the the script writing kind so i would love to be the i would love to be behind the camera though so anyway the reapers i'm so damn careful i don't know how but it's them they're out here we don't know that two of our people are dead Maggie, where the hell is everyone else? It fires out. Why haven't they come back? It's the Reapers. That guy right there, I think his name is Corey. I don't know. I'm getting some weird vibes about him. I think he's the one. He might be somebody who's playing both sides of the fence. Uh, he's, I don't know. Maggie, we could tell, obviously, that Maggie trusts him completely but there's something about him that i don't trust uh i think he could be like you know a dante type of person who's playing both sides of the fence uh colette also thought the same i don't know why no indication given whatsoever he seems loyal uh he's a good fighter kind of person you'd want on your side seems a little bit too perfect and that's what's probably setting off alarm bells in my head i have nothing to base it on like i said it's just a, it's just a feeling that i have so here we go elijah all the talk for six months about who that masked person was the masked ninja person that we kept talking about. All the theories. Dwayne, Maggie, Connie. And here he is. Hey. You okay? Can you, uh. There's Elijah. That's the mass Ninja person. Mm. And, you know, I said it. It's going to be somebody we've never met before. I was right on that. But I also did say that he was probably from the Commonwealth. I was wrong about that. It looks like Maggie has not come across the Commonwealth. But there's a snippet in the episode yesterday... When Maggie is explaining to Daryl what happened to Georgie. And Maggie, the way Maggie says it is that Georgie came across this very large community and she went off with them. That's it. That's all we know about what happened with Georgie. Apparently that's the last time Maggie saw Georgie. So is that the Commonwealth? Uh, I don't know, but we're not going to see Georgie back on the show because Georgie is now on Clarice and she's playing Ruth Martin, who is one of the leading roles in Clarice. So we're not getting the actress back on The Walking Dead. I could be wrong. I mean, she may have shot uh, a couple of episodes for The Walking Dead, While doing Clarice, before Clarice, who the hell knows? It's possible, but I I don't think we're going to see Georgie again. But that was a big clue by Maggie. And I don't know how many of you guys might have missed it or not. She did say that she went off, she came across this very large group. And it could very well be the Commonwealth. How they're planning on tying that in... Uh, with the remaining five episodes and going into season eleven, in regards to Georgie, I don't know. They may not even tie it in at all. Grenade man. Why'd you do it, Pope? Walk, All right. What did he say right there? To me, it sounds Pope marked you is that what you guys heard when you watched this uh that's what it sounded like to me i know the first word is pope uh and khaleesi mentioned pope also uh it sounds to me yeah yeah khaleesi right okay okay so pope whoever the hell pope is is he the leader of uh is he the leader of the reapers Whoever he is, he marked her, and what that means basically is you you pick somebody as a target as a target for no real reason whatsoever. You just picked them as a target that you want to go after. So he said it really quick, and if you know you gotta really listen to it several times. And I'm glad I got it right. He said Pope marked you, and uh, this guy is uh, speaking of loyal. Uh, In order not to speak, this guy goes to extreme measures. He blows himself up. Now, why? I mean, okay, I get it. You're surrounded. Uh, Did he really think that they could break him? He doesn't look like the kind of person that breaks very easily. Remember, he got st- in that sequence, he got stabbed, got hit by an arrow. Dude is big and strong as hell. He took Daryl and threw him into that tree like a rag doll. Poor Daryl. <laughs> I mean, poor Daryl. First, Beta tossed him around like his little play toy. And now, this guy threw Daryl up against the tree as if he was nothing. Um, Colette writes definitely a military group absolutely just going by the sniper skills the camouflage he was wearing this guy's trained he's trained and he's using his training to take out apparently people who have done absolutely nothing wrong to him and he's following some guy named Pope which was why I can understand your guys' uh, theory that you know, they're part of some rogue military group that stuck together uh, during and after the apocalypse and are going around picking people off. Anyway, at the end, Maggie and a group finally make it back to Alexandria. That'll happen. The Whispers left a parting gift. Remember, I was wondering if the Whispers did anything while they were there. Now, I want you guys to check this out, okay? Uh, I want to hear your interpretations as far as Negan's reaction as Maggie walks past him. To me, he looks pissed. But why does he look pissed? Uh, If I was him, I'd be, you know, if I see her coming, I'd be going the other direction. He seems like he wants to get the inevitable confrontation out of the way as quickly as possible and she's just ignoring him and uh, apparently it's getting under his skin but you guys have seen it watch it again, look at his expression as she walks right past him he's like waiting you know, for some kind of confrontation, never happens. Yeah, and there it's he is. He looks pain. pissed. You duck, huh? So there you guys have it. I mean, you know, that sums up the episode pretty much in three and a half minutes, but, uh, man, what do you guys make of that look on his face? Uh... To me, he looks pissed. I think he wants to get the confrontation out of the way. He knows it's going to happen one sooner or later. Uh, He wants to know if he should sleep with one eye open in Alexandria. We all remember Maggie did go in to kill him once before. And the only reason she spared his life is because he was suffering a fate worse than death. And to her, that was satisfying. It was, enough, it was enough for her to see him suffering and keeping him alive. Well, now he's not suffering anymore, and he's not locked up. He's actually becoming a vital and contributing member to the community. So can you imagine what's going through his mind? Do I have to sleep with one eye open? Is she going to come up on me and slip my throat in the middle of the night? Uh, am I going to have some kind of accident? Who the hell knows? But, uh, you know, he just wants to get it out of the way. Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, he does look pissed. Uh, Lisa writes, could be from seeing Minnie Glenn. Now you're talking about Negan's reaction? I'm sure seeing Minnie Glenn and him knowing that he killed his father doesn't make him feel all warm and fuzzy inside right now. But I think it's all have to, it all has to do with Maggie. Uh, CC writes, I truly believe they will banish Negan from the community, which is what they did in the comic books. Uh, like Daryl said in the beginning of the episode, when Carol was fessing up what she did, nothing has been decided as far as Negan is concerned. And do they follow the comic book route where basically he does ultimately get banished? Or does he play a big role, a positive role with the Commonwealth coming up in season 11? Anyway, we have a lot more of Negan to see in the next five episodes. He's getting an episode all to himself. That's the one I'm waiting for. Uh, it's the last it's the last of the six called Here's Negan. That's, of course, where we're going to meet, in a flashback, his wife Lucille before she died. We get to see how Negan the Prick that we met at the end of Season 6 comes to be, Uh, you know? So I'm really psyched about that. I want to see that. And we're going to see a lot of Carol in pretty much every one of these episodes. Don't forget, and Here's Negan... Uh, in that last episode Negan opens up and tells the story to Carol it's those two traveling together that end up in some log cabin and I presume that's where he tells her the story uh, about his wife uh, let's see CC writes that will be uh, yep in the here Negan episode Colette's waiting for that one as well uh, Lindsay writes, maybe he wants to get things over with Maggie. I, I, I do in one way or another, he knows it's going to happen and he just wants to get it over with. And, uh, she's not giving him that satisfaction and she's, she's not going to give him that satisfaction until if, and when, uh, she is ever ready to confront him. She could just leave him dangling in the wind. Uh, let's see. Uh, Singer Chick writes, that's the one that I absolutely cannot wait to see. Yes, me too, me too. So let's see what the media, uh, the media, what did the media have to say about these episodes? Okay, I decided to go, of course, every, every, uh, outlet did an article, their own review on the Walking Dead episode yesterday. I decided to go with Bleeding Cool. Okay, so the title is Walking Dead Season 10C, Home Sweet Home, Offers Deadly Return. Sunday night, we saw the return of AMC's The Walking Dead. For the first of six extra under the banner of Season 10C, filmed under COVID production protocols, these chapters are meant to bridge Seasons 10 and 11, As will answer some questions viewers have about what went on during the post-Rick Grimes time jump. How many of you guys think we're going to find out what went down between Maggie and Michonne? I hope to get more clarity than Maggie just being pissed off that Michonne shut everybody else out. For right now, that's all we've got. She just got really pissed off at Michonne. At shutting off Alexandria from all the other communities. And with the upcoming extended 11th and final season expected to debut later this year, to say there are some heavy expectations on these half-dozen adventures would be a dramatic understatement. So did Home Sweet Home set a high bar for the five following episodes to clear? Absolutely, except now. This is where we throw on the major spoilers sign because, as the sign reads, there's no way of going any further without doing a deep dive. Written by Kevin Diebold, sorry, Dybalt and Corey Reed and directed by David Boyd, Home Sweet Home finds Maggie returning to Hilltop only to come to the shocking realization of just how much has changed. But there is little time to catch up on the past, not when something much deadlier for Maggie's past comes calling, putting hers, Daryl's, Kelly's, Elijah's, and Cole's lives at stake. From the description alone, it would seem that there was a whole ton of stuff going on, and there was, except there also wasn't and that's the reason why Diebold and Read script works so well. At its action core, it's essentially a full metal jacket-like narrative in which a group is trying to take out a hidden assassin, picking off the group one by one. That was a perfect approach to take for the first episode back, a nerve-wracking tension burner that burns quietly, but works because it's a constant threat. It also keeps the noise level from overwhelming what the real action was this round, the slow unraveling of Maggie's backstory since she left Hilltop, both her and her old friends going through a feeling-out stage and the moments that told more about characters than entire episodes could. Here's a look at some of the thoughts on what what went down and what it could all mean. Cohen early exchanges with Judith and her death glare moment with Negan can be seen as contrasting aspects of her personality, but I think it represents a merging of the two sides since she's been gone. Look, Negan killed Glenn... Uh, there's no getting past that, but as we see here, and is further exemplified in later scenes, Maggie learned from the rough shit, from the rough shit she's been through, having lost how many attempts to start a new community. So when Maggie says she understands Carol's decision to make a deal with Negan, she means it. As much a part of her may be screaming inside... It's a bigger picture thinking, and one that Cohen portrays amazingly. When Maggie says the only thing that matters is Alexandria, at the end of the episode, it's important to also keep in mind what she says after that, that she'll deal with Negan if she has to. This is a Maggie driven by a leader's need to save people not by revenge. Remember, we all knew that the Maggie we were getting back is not going to be the same one that left. But will it stay that way? In fact, Cohen's performance deserves special attention for her ability to present viewers with a Maggie they both know and are discovering again for the first time. This Maggie seen enough to know just how much gray there is out there Think back to the exchange between Maggie and Daryl and just how painful it was for her to say not now when the memories of what she lost started to become too much. Contrast that with her exchange with Kelly and where we see a generational bonding over the tragic loss of sisters that establishes a trust between the two. And we also found out that Elijah also recently lost his sister as well. Maggie's people also bring an interesting dynamic to the overall group. With Cole, we're not sure if we're going to end up loving him or hoping for his early demise. Or like we discussed a little bit ago, maybe he's a traitor. For someone who's coming from a situation even worse than our Alexandria folks, He sure does seem awfully pushy. You see the little hints right there. Then again, he seems super loyal to Maggie, so that earns him some bonus points. Elijah's arc in this episode actually made me smile because it was so pleasant and heartbreakingly not what I expected. Assuming he would be uh, Maggie's masked badass, That all changed when Maggie told Kelly the part of his backstory. The exchange between Kelly and Elijah when he freezes up told us so much about both characters in such a short period of time. And as we're getting to see the character of Kelly more and more, and I'm really glad they put her, uh, they gave her a big chunk of screen time in yesterday's episode we really needed to get to know kelly a lot better and uh the more we learn about kelly who's played by angel theory i think the more we love her as fans of the show as for this new group of big bads the reapers so do we so do we add them to the list that includes the commonwealth crm Virginia's group, The End is the Beginning folks, both from Fear of the Walking Dead and any other big bads that are still in play in the Walking Dead universe. That said, this is clearly a group that shouldn't be underestimated considering the damage they did to Maggie's people and the death toll just one Reaper racks up in an episode. And someone willing to blow themselves up in the name of their cause is not someone you can negotiate with. And bonus points for having Maggie go with a line of questioning that would fit every big bad in the series run. And this guy was not going to get questioned as we saw, and he was not going to break. Still doesn't explain why he blew himself up. So, our overall thoughts on The Walking Dead's retur- return? Amazing writing, an overall look that felt both epic and intimate at the same time. Nomination-worthy performances and the foundations for future storylines that have now been lain make for a welcome return for a franchise that continues to find ways to reinvent itself without losing its core sense of self. Do we think Georgie, played by Jane Atkinson, is gone and wouldn't be a part of the Commonwealth? Question mark? No. And we also think that Corey Hawkins' Heath is one of the Commonwealth soldiers, and that's why we haven't gotten many images. But you did not hear that from us. Ah, we almost forgot about Heath. Uh, I don't think Heath is a part of the Commonwealth. He might be. Uh, If we're going to see Heath again, it's going to be in the movies. It's going to be in the Rick Grimes movies. Uh, That would be great. Making him a part of the Commonwealth and putting a familiar face inside the Commonwealth as we get to uh, actually meet them. That would be pretty interesting as well. Uh Lindsay writes, "I love Kelly in this episode. Me too. This was a great episode for angel theory she uh her performance was spectacular, and she really made us as fans really love her and really become attached to her in a way the same way that a lot of people did not become attached to Beth on The Walking Dead." ...till after the prison fell and she got to spend that one-on-one time with Daryl... ...where her and Daryl had a whole episode just between those two. That is the episode that, you know, Beth became a really big fan favorite. Before that, people were kind of on the fence, not really caring that much about her. They saw her growing cold and not really showing that much emotion... When someone died, but after the prison fell and we got to see her and uh, Daryl together, that's when she became a fan favorite. And I believe yesterday's episode with Kelly, uh, played of course by Angel Theory, is just that kind of episode for Kelly when it comes to uh, us, the fans. Uh, Welcome to Andrew Valentine. Hey, Andrew. Welcome on Instagram. So, let's see. Singer Chick writes, I'm really liking Kelly. All she wants is to be a good part of the team and find Connie. She's got a big heart, too. Let's not forget how she forgave Carol. Because it was Carol's selfishness that separated, you know, Kelly and Connie and got Connie trapped inside that cave. Uh... Colette writes, she's like a biblical Daniel with that skinny shot. <laughs> slingshot. She uh, That slingshot of hers, uh, it, she's good at it. You know, she can definitely use it. It would definitely not be my weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse. Uh, but she knows how to use it, and uh, she's a good shot. So, you know, to play both uh, sides of the coin here, That review that we just read was a very positive one in regards to the finale. And, of course, there are reviews out there that are not so positive. This one is titled, The Walking Dead Season 10C is an unnecessary stop on the way to the final season. The six episodes of The Walking Dead fill in some interesting backstory but the plot lines may have had more impact as part of season 11. For almost 10 seasons, The Walking Dead has undeniably earned its place in television history, yet the show has been uneven for years. And while it had a bit of creative resurgence towards the end of season 9, into season 10, The Whisperer War concluded with more of a whimper than a bang, now we have the curious case of the six episodes that have inexplicably been tacked onto season 10. These episodes seem to be a concession to longtime fans who have gotten used to the series' newest season being debut in October, something that could not happen in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic. Yet, while fans will appreciate how this new batch of episodes fill in some interesting backstory, Season 10C still doesn't feel especially necessary given these plot lines could have easily and perhaps more effectively been incorporated into the show's upcoming 24-episode 11th and final season. I do not agree with them. Perhaps the most interesting thing about the... uh, Sorry, perhaps the most interesting thing about the two episodes made available for review, Home Sweet Home and Find Me, is that unlike most Walking Dead episodes and episodes of TV in general, they each focus on a single storyline, never weaving in B or C plots, ...to keep multiple narrative threads going. And it seems this will be the approach taken for the remaining four episodes as well. Based on their synopsis, the focus makes the stories feel especially immersive. But even from the first two episodes, it's clear it has varying degrees of success. We've only seen one episode... Episode 2 of these bonus 6 is not going to be made available to AMC Plus users until this Thursday. So, yeah, maybe they have some back way of watching two episodes. Or am I completely missing something and episode 18 is out somewhere? Because I didn't see it. Uh, So, I don't know how they got to see the first two episodes. Home Sweet Home tells a story centered on Maggie that touches on her uh, ongoing issues with Negan and reveals some tidbits about her time away as she and a group that includes Daryl and Kelly make their way to Alexandria. It also introduces a possibility, new threat, a possible new threat that could play a larger role in the future. This episode is compelling with enough action to keep it propulsive and it needs Uh, and enough nods to several possible upcoming storylines to make you want to see what happens next. Welcome Tina, who's just joined us on uh, Facebook. Yeah, Khaleesi writes, I think they're missing something. Uh, They may have very well have seen the next episode, but none of us have. On the other hand, Find Me, which is the next episode, that apparently they have seen, uh, tells a Daryl and Carol story that's far less interesting. While both of these characters are fan favorites for good reasons, this episode has them wallow in the same old arguments and issues. While it includes a series of flashbacks to what happened during Daryl's time away from Alexandria after Rick disappeared The slow, deliberate pacing doesn't serve the story particularly well, and it's half-heartedly introduces a mystery even Daryl doesn't appear to care much about. They are talking about an episode that no one has seen. I don't understand. Uh, Just let's see what's going on. Uh... Aaron, oh, you you Instagram people, you never give up, do you guys? Always wanted to be a part of the show. Sorry, do not let people into the show unannounced and without pre-scheduled planning. Uh, anyway, this thing goes on to say this bodes uh, poorly for the Carol and Daryl spinoff that's supposed to launch after The Walking Dead comes to an end. In the past, the pairs had a warm camaraderie, but there has been tension between them since Carol's single-minded pursuit of Alpha led to the disappearance of Connie, and they hash out their differences once again in this episode. At one point, Daryl expresses frustration because they keep having the same fraught conversation. And it's a sentiment that's easy to share. As a result, the biggest takeaway from this episode seems to be that unless Daryl and Carol can get back on the same page, their spinoff may not work so well. And they're giving away spoilers again to an, uh, an episode that nobody has seen. It seems likely that the other four 10C episodes will be similar grab bag of good, bad, and indifferent, yet the issue I keep coming back to is whether there was a good reason for these episodes to be made in the first place. For 10 seasons, The Walking Dead has told a heavily serialized story that relies on season-long arcs and themes. The episode of season 10C break that tradition, and while they inch the story forward ever so slightly it doesn't seem like they stick with any single one long enough to really drive new plots going into season 11 instead these stories seem to leave the upcoming season to pick up the show's various plot lines and ernst making these six episodes feel supplemental instead of essential so uh, perfect example Two articles by two different publications with two different opinions, you know? So, everyone has their own opinion. I don't agree with them. And we got a lot more than we bargained for out of this article because it gave us a hell of a lot of spoilers on next week's episode. Uh, I don't know if they realized that if the person who wrote this article... He might have seen it. They might have given him special access to the next episode. But none of the general public has seen it yet. So I wonder if he's aware of that when he wrote this piece. Uh, let's see. Uh, just Again, uh, just a lot of Walking Dead stuff today. Uh, this is completely the opposite of what we just read. Calling these episodes a welcome prelude to season 11 and from what i saw the overwhelming majority of uh, media outlets and almost all the fans that watched the episode they liked it they liked it a lot and it really has them anticipating the rest of them the other five that are going to come and i think with each one it's going to get better and better and better Uh, To where we get to the, you know, the climax at the end, where we're all waiting to find out uh, about Negan and Lucille's backstory. So, in the little bit of time we have left, I do remember what I wanted to show you guys. Um, If you guys remember, uh, there are some of you guys out there that are American Horror Story fans. fact a lot of you american horror story fans there's a spinoff coming that's going to be called american horror stories instead of a season-long anthology that changes story every season this american horror stories is going to be almost identical to what tales of the walking dead is every episode in itself is going to be a story uh, the only difference is there won't be any zombie stories. Or well, maybe there will be. Hell, it's American Horror Story. Uh, they can do whatever. The, they've thought up some crazy stuff before. Maybe we will see a zombie story in a in American Horror Stories, the uh, anthology. But um, they released a little teaser today. And when I say little, I mean little. It's only 12 seconds long, but I did grab it. And, uh, let's just go ahead and check this out. Like I said, very short. Very, very short. It's only 12 seconds long. And the volume was really low. I mean, hold on. Uh, why was the volume so, oh, there we go. No, no, it should have been louder than that. I guess that's as loud as they had recorded. Anyway, I got it from a third-party site on YouTube. Uh, It was not from uh, FX. But anyway, that's coming out soon, and they're still in the middle of uh, shooting Season 10 of American Horror Story. So when we're actually going to get it, I have no idea. But they can start releasing the episodes before they finish the entire season. In fact, that's... What they almost always do anyways. Uh, So let's see what else we got for you. We got a little bit of time left. Uh, 10 scariest horror movie hotels. Okay. Of course. Number one, the Bates Motel. That has to be number one. Number 10, Kingston Hotel in the movie Private Parts, 1972. Motel Hello, Motel Hell. Motel Hell is another one of these movies that has become a big cult classic over the years. It really is a twisted story. Number eight, Pinewood Motel, Movie Vacancy, 2007. Number seven, The Khaki Palms Motel, The Devil's Rejects. That's the place they, get, they hole up in after they had to evacuate their house. I mean, I'm sure we have some uh, Devil's Rejects fans watching. After the, uh, the sheriff surrounded the house and that big shootout, where only a few of them made it out, that's the motel that they stayed at. All right, number six on the list, Desert Valley Motel in the movie Identity, 2003 number five the slovakian hostel oh boy there's a place you never want to stay at because the moment you check in there you go up for bidding to the highest bidder so they can do all sorts of nasty stuff to you in Hostel 2005 brilliant movie by eli roth all right number four on the list i knew this would be on here the Dolphin, the Dolphin Hotel in the movie 1408, 2007, starring John Cusack. I love this movie. It's also a Stephen King book. Number three, Starlight Motel, eaten alive, 1977. Number two, oh, whoa, Bates Motel is number two, not number one. All right, Bates Motel from 1960s Psycho. And the number one, oh, The Overlook. Of course, The Overlook from The Shining. A lot of us don't think of it as a hotel. It's because it was closed as a hotel. And Jack Nicholson and family were there just to watch it during the winter months. That's why it doesn't really register to us as uh, uh, being on this list. But, of course, the Overlook Hotel. The Cecil in American Horror Story, Colette writes, uh, in American Horror Story, it's not called the Cecil. It's called uh, Cortez. But it's based off the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, which is so is the movie Followed. And a lot of other movies and TV shows that we wrote an article on Dead Talk, Dead Talk News. Khaleesi wrote an article about just the nasty history that the Cecil Hotel has. If you guys are interested, go check it out on our news site, deadtalknews.com. So anyway, guys, that is our session for today. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Our Walking Dead review, like I said, I'm looking forward to next week's episode. For those of you that have AMC+, it will be available on Thursday, 72 hours before it airs on AMC. Now, next Monday and Tuesday, we are going to have guests. So we're not going to be able to do our Walking Dead review next week till Wednesday. So, you guys are going to have to wait a little bit for us to break down uh, next week's episode of The Walking Dead till Sunday. Don't forget, tomorrow we have special guest Sean Roberts starting at 7 p.m. Monday we have Dave Davis from The Vigil and also a small role in The Walking Dead. And on Tuesday, March 9th, we have Marnie Carpenter who plays uh, Catherine Martin from the show Clarice, carried over from the movie Silence of the Lambs. So three very exciting interviews coming up. Uh, Then, of course, next Wednesday, we'll be breaking down uh, episode 18 of The Walking Dead. So the agenda is pretty full. It's pretty full. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. I'll be back with you again tomorrow night, and for the rest of this week, stay safe. And also, it's the beginning of March. February is done. March brings us closer to warmer weather, I hope. Anyway, guys, stay safe, and until tomorrow, remember, stay walking. Good night.